Watch this immediately. Watch this immediately. Watch this immediately. Watch this immediately. Hello, weary travelers. Welcome back to the highway wonderland that is Watch This Immediately, the podcast that attempts to make entertainment out of the ignorance of its two hosts. Me, I'm one of those hosts. My name is Stephen Krauss, and with me is the man who 6.6 gets a little too heavy for a big boss Ford or a 350 Chevy. Manier <laughs> here. Somebody is very happy now. Somebody gets that reference. I guarantee one person in the world heard that, enjoyed it. No more, no less. Okay, okay. Legit. You out there, you know. Now, we're having a 70s party today. Yes, we are. We are talking about a classic of American cinema. A... One of the highest grossing movies of the 1970s, and in fact, the number two grossing movie of 1977. No one even remembers what the highest grossing one was because this one ended up being so culturally important. <laughs> Smokey and the Bandit. Yeah, buddy. And the reason we are discussing this one is because you and I both serve the trucking industry. That's right. And we do. I suggested that this might be one that we should cover because it seems to have been uh, lost in the in the shuffle mm-hmm. of the last forty years. Exactly, I, I agree with you, and it's uh, undeservedly so, is what I'll say. Yeah, it is hard to comprehend for those of us who weren't around at that time just how huge Burt Reynolds was. Oh yeah, and I I don't know. You arrived in eighty nine. Yep. Uh, yeah. So he was in his evening shade days at that point, I think. Yeah, that was right before they started lampooning him on SNL as Turt Ferguson. Yeah. So it's it's hard for you to grasp the concept just how much of a cultural force Burt Reynolds was. And just like redneck chic in the late 1970s, early 1980s, it was huge. I've seen I've seen PG versions of the uh, Playgirl spread that he did. I know. You know nothing. <laughs> if you weren't steeped in it, you have no concept. Burt Reynolds was the 1970s embodiment of the phrase, all women want him, all men want to be him. I could see that. He was very suave in this movie, man. Yeah. So, Smokey and the Bandit. Shit kicker Star Wars. As <laughs> yeah. Drew McWeeny called it. Yeah, buddy. And I have never heard a better description <laughs> for this movie than <laughs> Shit Kicker Star Wars. Uh, was released in 1977. It stars Burt Reynolds, Sally Field, Jackie Gleason, Paul Williams. The casting in this movie is impossible. Paul, wait, wait, wait. You're, you're missing the most important person, Jerry Reed. Oh, I'm sorry. Jerry Reed as well. Paul Williams is more important than Jerry Reed. I mean, come on, man. Paul Williams wrote Rainbow Connection. Fine. You show some respect. Fine, whatever. Jerry Reed, now, Jerry Reed did write, also, She Got the Gold Mine, I Got the Shaft. That's what I was going to talk about, his epic music career, bro. Which is pretty great. 
I tried to convince you to go around bumping Jerry Reed songs. I mean, for I've, a week solid, and you refused to do not so. Not for a week solid, but you know, I've, I've played some Jerry Reed on Spotify in the car for sure. No, but you need to bump it so that it becomes your thing, so that people are like, "That guy Munir, he's weird." <laughs> he loves Jerry yeah, Reed. He, he walks around. He just drives, cruises the parking lot, bumping Jerry Reed. You know, I think this may have been one of Jerry Reed's only roles before, like Waterboy. Because I think he was just out out of the music industry for a while, or out of the movie industry for a while. That's entirely possible. Jerry Reed was never a big time actor that I recall. Yeah, yeah. He was more of a musician. Uh, one of, one of those people who just he had friends in the business, and so if somebody asked him to to come do a role, he'd be like, "Yeah, I'll do it." So was he just one of Adam Sandler's friends then? Because yeah, he played the evil coach in Waterboy. I think it's entirely possible that Adam Sandler remembered the days when Burt Reynolds was freaking everything. That's that's fair. And I I guarantee you, Adam Sandler was a big fan of Smokey and the oh, Bandit. Of course, who wouldn't be? Now, um, the fr- so the first note I have here, you know, we start off, you know, it's got the music, Eastbound and Down, mm-hmm. it's the best. You know, we we actually the bo- two of us we did not remember the whole like bit where Burt Reynolds is basically like a zoo exhibition. No, you and I successfully memory hold like the first fifteen minutes of this yeah. movie. <laughs> yeah, because because as I as I think I told you, I had to like figure out am I watching Smoking the Bandit too? And I, I actually stopped YouTube TV and was like, okay, wait a minute. It says Smokey and the Bandit. So then I went to Wikipedia, and I was like, okay, hold on. Let me figure out the—let me see what the plot is for this damn movie. <laughs> Look up the Smokey and the Bandit chronology. Yeah, and, and I was like, okay, fine. Where are we in the mythology? He is, he is in this, like, weird racetrack in the beginning. Okay. I remembered nothing of that. Yeah. My memory of Smokey and the Bandit, and I remember—I know I saw it, or at least I think I saw it as a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember when I was working at a video store in the 90s, I took it home one day. Because I was like, I haven't seen this in a long time. I should see what this movie's about. Um, my memory was that it started pretty much with Sally Field in the wedding dress. Yeah, me too. Me too. That's all and I remember. So I remembered nothing before that and nothing afterwards. Yeah, exactly. I remember that specific image. And it's not like a visually arresting scene or anything. No. It's just that's the part I remember. I was like, oh, yeah, it starts there. Shocked to find out that doesn't take place until like 15, 20 minutes into the movie. Nope. It's, yeah, it's, it, there's a whole bunch of action. Like, he gets propositioned by a large man and a small man. Big Enus and Little Enus. That's right. Because you need multiple Enuses in a at the, southern uh, At the racetrack. And, and, you know, he's the bandit, so he's well-known. And they they offer him eighty thousand bucks to get four hundred cases of cores. Now I know you've got that in today's money. Oh, of course I do. What do you, like, what else do I do? Human here? inflation calculator. It's the equivalent to three hundred fifty-seven thousand seven hundred fifty-eight dollars today. I would do that right now. Oh hell yeah! I don't even. I I have no idea how to drive a a big rig. I would just say let's do this. Okay, let me ask you though. So. This $80,000, this was for the whole job, right? Like, yes. did the Trans Am come out of the 80K? No, because that's part of the negotiation at the beginning, oh, okay. and the okay. Little Enos right. is peeling off money to give to him to buy the car and the oh, beer. Oh, gotcha. That's, that's Although they ultimately do not give anybody any money for the beer since they break into the warehouse. Yeah, that was, that was a little suspect. So they really just commit. Oh, no, that's that. right, because they said, 
um, well, Burt Reynolds had told Jerry Reed, like, just tell them to bill Big Enos or yeah. Little Enos. But then he ultimately does not do that. No, no, he's like, I gotta go, and I don't know what to do. So, yeah. So the whole point of this, if you're not familiar with the movie, you should watch it. Stop it and watch it immediately. Yeah. It's actually pretty fun. It's, it's a damn good movie. Um, uh, the whole point is, back in the 1970s, Coors beer was famous for not being pasteurized, and you could not transport it um, beyond a certain distance without appropriate um, without appropriate licensing. Um, they make it sound like it was completely illegal yeah. to transport it, but that's not the case. And even within the context of the film, they arrest that one guy because he does not have the appropriate permits. Gotcha. So the reason these people are getting in so much trouble is because they are not getting the appropriate authority to do this and somebody brought up online that you they could have just done that like the whole movie could have just been them getting the permits for it and having no problem getting the beer there okay so so little enos and big enos pay burt reynolds the equivalent of 350k just because they don't want to get permits they are gamblers Fair enough. And so they, they're doing it for a bet. They're doing it to, oh, well, yeah, to, to play puppet master with people. You're right. Because when you're, I'm, a, I'm just going to assume these guys are the equivalent of modern-day billionaires. When you're a billionaire, you're not happy. You're a miserable human being. And so you have to make other people yeah. dance in order to make this yourself This is a weird abused. trope, though, man. This is a weird trope. Because remember Trading Places? Mm-hmm. They had the bet on uh, whether they could turn Billy, uh, or no, Eddie Murphy into, like, some high-class dude and turn Dan Acker into a hobo. Yeah. So, yeah, billionaires apparently were very very much into sporting propositions in this age. This this was part of the American consciousness. Yeah. That billionaires are going to pay us money to do things. Yeah, they'll be like, dance, monkey, dance. Yeah. And I think this was before nowadays when we've realized they're not going to pay us any money to do anything. Oh, hell no. They're just going to ask us to do it. So um, then, you know, we see Buford T. Justice. Jackie Gleason, television that's right. legend. That's right. And also film legend. And his uh, his son, um, I don't even um, think they say his name, do they? They just call him Junior. Yeah. Uh, he is played by Tarzan actor Mike Henry. Huh. Seriously, the casting in this film is ridiculous. Interesting. Legend Burt Reynolds, legend Jackie Gleason, Paul Williams, musical legend, and also weirdly omnipresent in media in the 1970s, Jerry Reed, two-time Oscar winner, eventual Sally Field, Mm. and a Tarzan actor, Mike Henry. Wait, now, who did Paul Williams play again? Little Enos. Oh, okay, gotcha. All right, very good. So, um, the, the thing that stood out to me in this scene is that Buford T. Justice is driving a state car mm-hmm. with a personalized license plate that says Mr. Big. <laughs> is that not how you would operate if you were a sheriff? I mean, well, hell yeah, but, but like, okay, do you, think he had, like, do you think he was the first one to get the Mr. Big license plate in Texas, or, or did he have to, like, buy it off somebody? I have a feeling that every single county had a Mr. Big license plate in Texas and probably still does to this day. Ooh, okay. Gotcha. As far as did he buy one? He might have been the first. This was not the era of common personalized personalized plates. plates. Vanity plates were still a new thing at the time. Correct, correct. Okay. He might have been the first one. I feel like... um I mean, I feel like maybe this was a bootleg plate, too. Like, he just was down at the prison and yelling at people. And he just said, make me one that says Mr. Big. And, like, all those all those convicts are, like, in the prison license plate shop. Just, like, pounding out, like, with an anvil. That's, Mr. The, kind Big. Of, that's the kind of abusive power that I could get behind. 
absolutely. So, so yeah, you know, of course, we then see some of the planning, namely Burt Reynolds, Smokey, or sorry, um, Bandit, Bandit, sorry, has to go to Jerry Reed's house, and his wife is. Remember none of this. Yeah, his, <laughs> just remember none of it. At his all. wife was wearing a was wearing a shirt that showed off the gals. I didn't notice. I rented it from YouTube, and so it was not the best quality, not the yeah. best visual quality. So. I mean, it was. It was. I was just like, this it was is not a, widescreen. This is this is like what you would wear to like go line dancing or whatever. Like like this was club wear. Okay. In the middle of the day, she had curlers up in her hair. That was another seventies trope, man. The curlers. Yeah, yeah. But you know, Jerry Reed is asleep. And at apparently like three o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah. So he's sleeping one off. And 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 you know, bandits basically like, hey man, I got eighty k on the line here. Need you to drive. I'll. I got. Like he didn't say Trans Am, but he's like, I'll do the blocking for you. Hmm. Now, it should be known. This is one of the few things where you are welcome to just burst into my house at any given time. Nice. If there's three hundred and fifty thousand dollars on the line for us to split. You just go ahead and walk right on in. Okay, I will do it. That is the only thing at this advanced same, age. Same here. Same here. Now, how old do you think these two were? Because, I mean, in that in that time, young people looked very old. Yeah. So do we think, like, were they in their 30s, their 20s? What are we thinking here? Burt Reynolds was 19. I'm going to say Jerry Reed was 25. <laughs> With with three three children. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, I they were probably like we're given to believe that Burt Reynolds is quote unquote over the hill or you know past his okay like he's a legend which means you're past your prime okay if you're okay. a legend so we're I would say that these men are Late probably 30s. yeah thirty five and older okay fair. And I would say Jerry Reed is definitely the older of the two. He might even be like early forties. Yeah, that's that was the vibe I got too. So yeah, glad glad that old enough to once, know better. Yeah, for once I I wasn't totally off. Well, now you know Jerry Reed, of course, agrees, and they end up. You know, he has his own big rig, which is it's always mystified me in this in this movie. Like the bandit is following this one big rig. Mm-hmm. So why aren't the police just stopping the big rig? Because they don't know at this point. At no point does anyone really know that the truck is what they're supposed to be after. Ah, gotcha. That, that's, and that's the blocking the whole, part. Yeah, that's the whole point is that gotcha. he's peacocking around so that the so that no one in the law knows that this truck has all this illegal booze on it. Okay, okay. Fair enough. All right. But that's that's one that went right over my head. So if they ever really figured out, oh, okay, this is the truck. Because, I mean, they're, they're listening in on the CB, of course, but no one knows why anyone gives a crap about the snowman. Correct. Okay, fair. So they don't know anything illegal is going on. If anyone was just like, oh, yeah, we've got um, 400 cases of Coors beer in the back of this truck that is just getting nasty and warm. I know. And there's no refrigeration. This is so disgusting. The, I know. The victory at the end of this movie is a bunch of people drinking warm Coors beer. Yeah, because that, that was not, as we would now say, being in the industry, a reefer. It was not a reefer, yeah. <laughs> I went looking for it. A reefer is a refrigerated truck, if you're curious. <laughs> and I was looking, 
I said out loud to myself at various points in that movie, I'm pretty sure that's not a reefer. Hell no, it's not a reefer. And that's why you could not transport this stuff, or that's why you could not get a certain point beyond um, uh, beyond the Coors Brewery. Because it was not pasteurized, and I would think after a while it's it would go explode. Yeah. yeah, I would think the bottles would explode after a while. But so okay, now you know. Of course, the other big plot point is they're they're driving down the scenic road from Texarkana, mm-hmm. as the song says. The song says something like the "Boys are thirsty." Yeah, in Atlanta, in Atlanta, the beers in Texarkana. Mm-hmm. Jerry mm-hmm. Reed, lyrical master. Brings it all together. You don't get a good ballad these days. No, no. You don't get a good movie that starts out and at several points throughout the movie recapitulates what you're watching. Exactly. We need more of that. Exactly. I miss that. That happened all the time. And like Jerry Reed, or not, he says, no, Jerry Reed and somebody else at some point sings a song about basically how they want to fuck the bandit. <laughs> yes, they do. Yes, they do. This needs to happen more. <laughs> I don't know why we strayed away from God's light in that way. <laughs> okay, so you know they see they see Sally Field, and they're in, I, I believe they're still in Texas when they see her. Yes, because you know I mean that's where Buford T. Justice has his authority, and she's in the middle of the road in a wedding dress, mm-hmm. and she's well, she's stolen the the marriage car. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so thus we start the romance of Frog and Bandit. And technically we start the movie because I yeah. don't know how much we really needed to have before that. There's yeah. a reason I memory hold exactly. all of the rest of that exactly. movie. And so, you know, then we see, like, Sally Field, she's basically like a female Woody Allen. Yeah, <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> you know, like, she's just really <laughs> neurotic and weird and... She's like just she's she's taking off this wedding dress, and uh, you know just piece by piece, mm-hmm. and I'm sure Buford T. Justice is seeing it as he's coming along the road and getting more and more angry, as Jackie Gleason does. Yeah, I mean Jackie Gleason, man, like he was very solid in this movie, but there are definitely parts of it that may be very uncomfortable. Was it the casual racism and sexism? Yeah, well, I mean... I mean, that's the 1970s. It was not so casual when he was talking to the black sheriff. It was very Arkansas. casual. There was nothing formal about that racism. Okay, okay yeah, fair. But but it was it was very in-your-face. Like, just just him saying, calling the guy boy, and then, yeah. and then saying, like, you sounded taller over the CB. This was the 1970s. You could not get away from the casual, intrusive, pervasive racism and misogyny. I mean, can... Come on, I mean, what what is it today? We have it today too. Yeah, but it's, I guess it's just mutated. Yeah, now we, I mean, now it's gone from Jackie Gleason to people yelling "All Lives Matter" or "Blue Lives Matter." Well, but is that I'm talking about the movies specifically? Oh yeah, fair. I mean, racism never goes away, unfortunately. But we can't solve that on this podcast. We yeah. can only encourage people to watch Smokey and the Bandit. I mean, really. Trump is kind of a proto... He is kind of like an evolved, higher-ranking Buford T. Justice, honestly. I'm just picturing him eating a sloppy joe in a roadside diner. (laughs) So, anyways, you know, the whole movie is essentially just one long, like, scene where Burt Reynolds is just 
gallivanting around the countryside yeah. while the Coors beer is like proceeding along whatever interstate is near there. And this is all you need. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's not rocket science. Yeah, and, and you know, he does a number of like daredevil maneuvers, like uh, he jumps that bridge, which uh, I think that's in Arkansas because I believe they they talk about like the black sheriff says, better not take this car and, and crash it. And uh, that's unfortunately what ends up happening. It's a car chase movie. What are you going to do? Yeah. Yeah, this actually has some decent car stunts. It does. Um, the director, Hal Needham, was a stuntman, and he was pretty good. He was probably the best at directing car-based action in the 1970s and 80s. Hell yeah. Um, so he was also responsible for Hooper. Mm. The Cannonball Run movies, which mm. say what you will about the Cannonball Run movies, and I have said what I would. Uh, they are not good movies, but the stunt work isn't bad. Yeah, the stunt work's pretty good. Um, but yeah, Hal Needham had an eye for that sort of thing. So the action here is pretty good. In a post uh, Fast and the Furious world, it doesn't exactly hold no. up to today's standards. But for 1977, this was about as good as you were going to get for car chase action. Well, and uh, I, I do believe that Hal Needham wrote a memoir, or someone wrote a biography of him, like in the 2010s. Probably. Yeah. So you know that's out there in case Check you want out. to know his uh, his life. Sure. It's, yeah, it's not the, uh, these aren't the deepest movies, the Hal Needham Ovier. Yeah. But uh, Hooper's a good time. Smokey and the Bandit's a good time. Yeah. First Cannibal Run has its moments. Have you seen Smokey and the Bandit 2? I know I have, in the same way that I know I had seen this before. The only part I remember of 2 is like, is actually the beginning where Burt yeah. Reynolds is like in the room, like hungover. I don't think I've seen the rest of it, though. I remember Buford T. Justice in front of a flag, like hmm. in the movie Patton, hmm. like in front of a gigantic American flag. Interesting. I don't know that we need to watch that for this podcast. No. Uh, Smoking the Bandit 2 does not qualify no, as no. A, a, any sort of cultural touchstone or I don't believe so. candidacy for a cultural touchstone. But, yeah, this movie is so just bizarre. Yeah. And they don't make them like this anymore, and that's not that's not good or bad. It's just you don't see movies like this anymore. Well, yeah, because the the action there's there's just a lot of just driving around mm-hmm. because I mean that's that's what they're doing. Yeah, you know, and you see like like there are long stretches where like Burt Reynolds and Sally Fielders in the car to like hanging out. Just talking. Yeah. And goddamn, if they're not charming together, they yeah. were a couple at the time and that it hadn't gone south. So they're charming it up throughout this movie. I mean, you know, she he's got his cool bandit energy. She's got her Woody Allen energy and it, it works, man. It plays. Yeah, goddamn if it doesn't play. Cause, and, and, you know, she, she also does a little bit of exposition, which is actually not very forced. So I think that was a good bit of script writing there. Yeah. So we find out she's a dancer. And that she was in town on some kind of recital and just decided to marry Junior on a on a lark. Because when you've got that big slab of meat before you, what yeah. else would you do? And she did not know that she was going to bring the the uh, 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 law <laughs> down on her for for refusing Buford T. Justice's offspring. 
<laughs> and and the whole time, so Jackie Ro- Jackie Gleason, not Jackie, Jackie Robinson. Robinson. <laughs> Jackie Gleason's character is the anti Jackie Robinson. <laughs> the exact opposite of Jackie Robinson is Buford T. Justice. That's so appropriate. The whole movie, it's like the bandit getting away and Buford T. Justice's car getting more and more banged up. Yeah, like he loses <laughs> he loses the top. At one point, um, well, and there's a trucker, a uh, a Japanese American or Chinese American trucker also who a, takes kind of his a racist moment. Yeah, he just just takes his door off, and Buford D. Justice keeps it in the back seat as evidence, quote unquote. <laughs> He's obsessed with evidence. Yeah, and and you know the whole time he's getting more and more angry, and he's yelling at Junior the whole time. I mean, look. The Buford T. Justice car was just a traveling caravan of abuse. (laughs) Like, Junior is basically holding on to his hat for him, and that's the only purpose that Buford T. Justice feels that he has in the world. That was a joke I actually enjoyed quite a bit. After the top goes away, (laughs) and they're driving around, and Junior's just holding (laughs) Buford T. Justice's hat so that it doesn't blow away in the wind, that was a a tiny joke (laughs) that they could keep coming back to for as long as they wanted, as far as I was concerned. There was one element of this movie that did not work for me, and that was the weird... um, that was the soul food restaurant with the yeah. bikers at it. Yeah. That scene doesn't make any sense to me because Jerry Reed, it exists entirely for Jerry Reed to get his ass kicked. Exactly. And then I figured, okay, well, there's gonna they're going to make a joke out of this somehow. Yeah. Somehow he's going to, um, you know, it's going to come back later in the movie. Like, because it was pretty obvious he was going to run over their bikes. Like, yeah. that's that's not very funny. That's, that's, that's not really going very right. far. But, like, somehow the bikers are going to come back into this and they're going to get humiliated because they need to be humiliated. Um, and that never did. So that didn't go anywhere. It doesn't for me. pay off at all. That's one of the few things about this movie that's just a complete dud. The because only... they spend a whole lot of time in that yeah. bar. I'm like, we spent 10 minutes here and fucking nothing happens here. Now, the other thing, like, when, when bandits in the uh, in the truck stop and he pays for Buford T. Justice's meal that was pretty solid I enjoyed that yeah and it was nice to have that one scene between the two of them and you do see like Buford T. Justice coming out of the bathroom like he's he's got the toilet paper coming after him it was, <laughs> that was pretty good. one of the most labored toilet paper gags I've ever yeah. seen but you know I appreciate it, it. it's fine mean, Jackie Gleason's a pro wait now was Jackie Robinson like or sorry <laughs> Sorry, was Jackie Gleason, was he like a vaudeville dude back in the day? Um, or was this too late for... This is probably too late for vaudeville. Probably just a little bit too late. Mm. Although, well, no, I don't know if that's necessarily the case. Because, I mean, a lot of the early performers, a lot of early television performers got their start in vaudeville. So, like, you know, your George Burns, yeah. um, Milton Berle, they all got their start in vaudeville. That, so Jackie Gleason possibly would have been old enough for that. He's got He's got that very broad... Like way of playing the character that that brought vaudeville in for me. Yeah, it's entirely possible. I'll have to look mm-hmm. into that. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was definitely an early television performer, and that vaudeville kind of style was big in early television. Now, uh, one thing I did notice as well: Diesel Man only forty-seven cents. It was a magical time. Now, what's the what does that convert to in today's money? Oh, damn! I didn't. I, didn't, I forgot to do that. Oh my god. <laughs> But the one time I lob you a softball, <laughs> I'm going to say that that is probably right around $5 in today's money. 
so. if we're going to go go with the eighty thousand to three hundred fifty thousand. I mean, purchasing power was different, so none of these line up completely. But yeah. um, so, gas is still about as valuable as it was back then. Apparently so. And now the the last kind of note that I have, because, because I mean, the movie really doesn't have a plot to speak of. It's just a vehicle for Burt Reynolds to be cool. Yeah, there's no subtext to this. No. This is just the charm of Burt Reynolds, yeah. Sally Field, and Jackie Gleason, and Jerry Reed. Yeah. And, and it gets by on that just fine. It doesn't need anything. Hell more. yeah. Now, I, I guess we should go towards the, the end. So, you know, we're we're at the end of the line. They're in Georgia by this time. It gets weirdly anti-law enforcement and anti-authoritarian, yeah. which is a yeah. stark contrast to the badge-humping fascism that the area has become known for. For sure. Um, yeah, as everyone is just running cops off the road. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah. The, now that part, the part when when Bandit is uh, you know in the in the caravan like rocking the baby or whatever it was called, mm-hmm. rocking the cradle or something like that. I yeah. was not clear entirely on what was happening. But I mean, that was a pretty solid, solid like truck gag. Where yeah, that was probably really hard to oh yeah logistically set up. Had as to a have shot. been. Had to have been. Because yeah, they had to block off the highway for one thing, mm-hmm. and then yeah, get all of those those rigs going. Burke Reynolds probably had to drive in unless he had like some sort of stunt driver. I would say probably had a stunt driver for that. Had to have. Yeah, you're right. Had I'm sure Burt Reynolds could drive really well, but you you don't want to trust. Mm-mm. You don't want to put your star in that kind of danger. Right. <laughs> you want to have a, a stunt driver who has a lot less of the movie riding on them. Well, and <laughs> but I mean, is also a, a pro. <laughs> Burt Reynolds and Sally Field were in the car, so yeah, you don't want both of them. Yeah, going. you you don't want to kill both your stars. <laughs> but you know, at the end, he he ends up at the racetrack, he gets there. Jerry Reed, you know, he's he basically takes over the last four miles because Burt Reynolds just randomly decides to give up. Yeah. And Jerry Reed's like, hell no. And he just overtakes Burt Reynolds, like, starts just driving through things, and they get to the racetrack. This is somehow inspirational. Yeah, yeah. Don't know how, but it somehow is. It's like, had Don't Stop Believing been create, been written and released by this time, probably would have been playing over, <laughs> over the scene. But, like, you know, then we see Big Enos and Little Enos again, and... They're, uh, Jerry Reed's asking them for the money, and they say, well, double or nothing. And this time, it's getting clam chowder from Boston. Mm-hmm. And they take, I believe it's Little Enos's Cadillac. Yeah. Straight to the airport to buy airplane tickets, I would think. <laughs> yeah, I would too. No, no one said you had to drive it. Exactly. And logistically Although, impossible. I, f- I feel like it was strongly implied, though. Well, yeah, but... But getting clam chowder from Boston back to Atlanta and what what was it? It was the same amount of time, I believe, yeah. which is impossible. I don't. I don't. You that. cannot do that. No. So I mean, if, if I were them, since we did not specifically lay out the terms, right. I'd be like, okay, we're going to the airport, right? <laughs> yeah. So so basically, they're going to have. Well, now they'll they'll be at the uh, mercy of the airlines, though. That's the problem. See, this was in 1977. We, you could just walk up to yeah. the counter. People just walked up to the counter and be like, I need three tickets to Boston, please. Yeah, well, yeah, for sure. But, but you know, I mean, 
there could be a storm or something like that. And, you know, that would, that would be tough, man. Well, sure. There could be a storm at any given time. But you got 700K riding on the line so, in today's money, bro. As opposed to... So you're saying the better option is to drive the impossible journey where you literally do not have enough time hmm. in the space-time continuum in which we exist to do this. Okay, so I, you're saying... I, I see what you're saying. No, 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 no. Let's follow this. Okay. You are saying... Because there is a theoretical possibility that weather or delays might cause you problems, you do something impossible instead and fail. I know, I know what to do. Hmm. I know what to do. You get a plane ticket. No, no well, yeah, but he, here's what we do, though. You know, we've got we've got we've got the dough still from Little Enos. You go to the airfield. You get the crew from airplane to fly you to Boston. The Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. <laughs> He is flying you to Boston. So you're going the insane route. Yes, correct. Okay. I can respect that. <laughs> oh, so now, now, you know, Buford T. Justice, man, I feel like if he was around today, he, he would have been storming the Capitol on January 6th. 100%. Yeah. And, and I mean, Junior would have been there as well. Yeah. Junior would not. He would have just been confused. <laughs> exactly. Junior would have been one of those people who genuinely is just like, what? I, he, they just get caught up in things. Yeah, he's, he's force-gumped his way into exactly. that. Exactly. He just walks in, walks around like he, he sits next to the guy who had, had, was holding the podium up. Yeah. <laughs> you just see him to the, to the left of that dude with the, uh, with the animal the head. The shaman. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that is, uh, I think that's what I had for Smokey and the Bandit, man. It is... The 1970s movie. Yeah. Um, there are more. There are movies that uh, perhaps better embody what 70s cinema could be, but this movie feels the most 1970s America yeah, this, of this, anything this I've seen the in a vibe, long man. time. This captured the vibe. Yeah, this captures the CB radio yeah. craze that uh, gripped America feverishly <laughs> exactly. back then. My parents even had one in our station wagon. Really? Well, you know, we were on the Oklahoma border. Wait, what was your dad's, yeah, like, the, what was your dad's CB name? I have no idea. Everyone who could tell me is dead. Mm. I'll never know what my dad's CB handle was. Mm. It was probably just like Bill. Well, well, you know, we've already established he he was the Hell's Angels personal physician. Of course, sure. Hell's Bill. Yeah. Or 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 Doctor Death. That would have been even better. <laughs> of course, yes. My father. Anyone who knows my father would tell you Doctor <laughs> Death would be his first go to. <laughs> Is Doctor Death available? No. Well, then just call me Bill. That's right. <laughs> Oh my! So yeah, um, yeah. This I thought watching this that I would probably get like a a good derisive laugh out of it, and I'd be like, "Yeah, that was pretty dumb." No. But I was surprised. This was actually a pretty fun, charming, breezy little movie. I that's, that's enjoyed why the, it immensely. That's why the classics hold up. I agree. And it's you could do far worse to spend your time than watching this. Uh, it's kind of sad that it's been seemingly forgotten about yeah. i'm sure there are people probably people who are um boomers really still kind of hold on to this and remember that like, oh yeah that was really good but again putting aside the racism and the misogyny you just have to do that with 70s american Wait, now, cinema do you think so so 
the demographic that's still alive that loves this movie stormed the Capitol. Unfortunately, yes, 100%. Do you feel like when, when Buford T. Justice called the black sheriff boy, they were, like, cheering? Probably. That's sad, man. Yeah, it is. But as I said, you have to get past... In order to enjoy anything from the past, you have to accept it in the context of the times in which it was created. That's fair. And that applies to music, that applies to any of the visual arts, it applies to theater, anything. Yes. Um, you have to give it that, that grace and say, okay, there's no way you're going to agree 100% with something that's 45 years old because it cannot be completely in step with the times. That's right. And, you know, it would have been the same thing watching something from the 1920s and the 1970s. Um, You just have to take a look at it within the context of its era and say, I don't enjoy every aspect of this because of um, the evolved perspective that we have now. But that said, it's a really fun movie. <laughs> it's a it's a damn fun movie, <laughs> and Burt Reynolds is never more charming. Um, Sally Field became known more for drama. Yeah, um, in the eighties, it's fun to see her just having a good time here. Yeah, she she's chilling out. Her and Burt Reynolds um, are kind of implied as having had relations with each other. Yeah, the seventies were the era of outdoor fucking. Yeah, so many movies in the seventies just have people having sex outdoors, and like and, that know, was a thing that happened. They do this like in a very delicate way. They're just like you know, the bandit just says, "I take my hat off for one thing," and then he takes his hat off, and Jerry Reed, I think, calls him up on she the specifically CV. Specifically, requests that he takes his hat yeah, off of if he wants to. Damn this right. is consensual. Wait, that's sex. right. Oh my God! So the, this so movie it deserves a salute for consensual sex. This movie was ahead of the times. Yeah, enthusiastic consent. There was a lot of rape in seventies movies. Yeah, yeah. So yes, this movie deserves a tip of the hat. Exactly. Sorry, a taking off of the hat. It, it which is lady, how we will describe consensual sex from now on. The lady was the one who like put it put it up for 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 a kind of debate. Mm-hmm. And Burt Reynolds was like, hell yeah. So yes. Here's that hat. We're taking off the hat for consensual sex. Mm, I like Smoking this Smoking the Bandit, you win the first award. Yes, sir. First removal of the hat <laughs> for consensual on-getting. I mean, I think that, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty clear how we feel about this. Because, I mean, I'd seen this movie before, of course, and you had as well. Theoretically. But we, we had to, we had, you know, we, we had to watch it because, as you said, we now serve the trucking industry, and mm-hmm. uh, that's just that's just who we are now. Exactly, we're truckers by extension. That's right. That's right. So, so we I, can wear we can get away with wearing the hats. Yeah, I, I would say. I mean, of course, this, this, for me, it's a cultural touchstone, man. No question. I think everyone should watch this movie. Damn right. <laughs> Which is, I don't. I did not think going into this. I was not excited to have to pay to see this. Oh no! I, I tried every possible way I could find to get it for free. I went to half price books to see if maybe I could find a dollar copy in the clearance section. No, sir. I was like, I do not want to pay four bucks to see this on YouTube, uh, and I'm glad I did. It was really fun. <laughs> yeah, yo, I, I actually. It, throughout the years, I've owned this movie on videotape and on a DVD. Yet you remembered so little of it still. I know, I know. 
there's it's, it's weird fast forward to 15 minutes in the movie yeah i don't want to say that because i mean the, the first part of the movie it's it's, it's fun it's, it's just okay. fine it's just the movie kicks in when sally field shows exactly. up exactly and so you will not regret the time that you spent watching the the lead into that but once sally field shows up then the fun really begins right and and you know from the time she shows up until the end it's just balls to the wall action yeah so un- unquestionably yeah. cultural touchstone. So For sure. that's, I think, one of the most enthusiastic um, cultural touchstones that we've been able to give so far. I, I would say that this gets the special uh, watch this immediately. Oh, love that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah like you got to watch it right now. The gold star. Yes. Watch it immediately. Yes. That is the new absolute top tier. So we now have four rankings. (laughs) The inaugural... Watch this immediately. Yes, the inaugural Watch This Immediately is Smokey and the Bandit. That's right. 1977. Go do it. So so now it's time for me to come up with something. Yeah. I need a recommendation. What do I need to watch or listen to, consume? So this is something that is not... It wasn't known to too many people. Oh, but, God, is it your sex tape? No, nah, no. Nah. That's just for me. Could it be your sex tape? Possibly. Not, not, not this time. May it be your sex tape? I mean, I'll have to check with the missus. We'll see. We'll put it up on Pornhub and you won't be watching. But in 1994, there was a, a, a heavy rap beef in the San Francisco Bay Area. Oh, thank God. I thought it was going to be mind-blowing by Vanilla Ice. Continue. No, no, no. It, 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 it culminated in two rival rap crews on um, KMEL Radio in San Francisco live um, battle rapping each other. Really? The Hieroglyphics crew and the Hobo Junction crew. <laughs> Hobo Junction was unexpected, even though you've mentioned this to me yeah. before. Yeah. I forget about that every time. It's 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 known as Hyro versus Hobo. That makes it even better. Yeah. And so, so where is this available if anybody wants to It is listen? on it is on YouTube. Okay. Just type in Hyro H I E R O V Hobo and you will find it. It is there. Excellent. Now, I do have to ask mm. because I've been burned. How many hours of my time is this going to take? I believe it's a 42-minute video. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's fine. In that case, I'll shut up. Yeah, now, now, you know, keep in mind that this was a a culmination of many months of, of perceived insults and, and un, general unhappiness that each party had with the other. So I feel like we're going to need a yeah. little bit of background when we actually exactly. discuss this. Oh, no, no. You, I, I got the background. Okay. I got the background. Okay. So we'll, Hiro we'll get that. v. Hobo. Yes. That is what we will cover next time on Watch This Immediately. Will it be a new WTI? You'll just have to wait and see. Yes, sir. Bye. Peace. Watch This Immediately. Watch this immediately. Watch this immediately.